Good morning, everyone. I had to make sure I had the candles right when I did that picture, so yeah, we're okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is everybody having a, a joyous, topic is joy today, everybody having a joyous Advent season? Yes, sir. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stuart, <clears throat> thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much. Stuart, um, in, the, in the middle of worship, he said, does anybody have a... I can't remember exactly how to set it, a praise or an adoration. And something came to mind as I was standing. I got all wired up and <laughs> all that. And I was thinking about it. I, and I'm not going to be very generalized here because I don't want to reveal anybody. It's nobody in this fellowship. But I, I uh, had the opportunity yesterday to spend 15 minutes or so with an individual and got to talking to them about the Lord. Um, and found out that they grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. And for many, many years, and most of their family still is in, in that, that, uh, that group. And the question was, how did you get out? And it was just amazing, the, the story. But the Lord worked it out that this person's car, that their radio wouldn't, it just stopped working. But the only station, one station worked. <laughs> WRFD, 8.80 a.m. So they said, well, they started listening to Christian radio and the Lord started working on them. Isn't this amazing? So praise and adoration and talking to this individual yesterday. Um, this individual was cutting my hair at the time. It's the best haircut I ever had. Yeah, maybe not. No. If they're listening, I, I apologize. No. <laughs> but I'm not revealing who they are or anywhere, where it happened. It's the best haircut I've ever had. The talk was unbelievable about coming out of being a Jehovah's Witness and how the Lord has done this miraculous things in their life. And isn't God good? Um, we can give him praise and adoration because even, even in Sunday school, Aaron was teaching Sunday school and, and we were in the book in Psalms and, and, and a verse came out and I, I wrote a little note in my Bible. I showed it to, to my wife and and those who are on a, a wayward or, or astray, he calls them. He calls them back. Amen. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional on you. So um, He's just so good. And, and in preparing for this message, my mind was going every which direction. And those of you who get up here or teach in Sunday school or teach in the classes with the kids, all of you, you've all been there where you struggle with something or a lot hits you at the last second and say, how do I process all this and put it out that it's understandable for everybody and the Lord the Holy Spirit can use that and I think we as teachers we just need to just trust in him that what that he will use what we say because it's coming out of the extremely imperfect vessel amen we all know that and I'm just thrilled at at at, at what he's doing so I got so nerved up back there that I excused myself I said excuse me Melissa and I went to the back and I kind of spent some time with Jordan just watching Miles walk for the first time. And that just kind of let the load off. I was like, you know, I just need to be like Miles. Just enjoy life and I'm walking. The Lord has allowed me to walk. Amen. So this is week three of Advent. Um, our topic, our theme um, is joy. So the title is Joy in Believing. We're going to focus on joy, but we're actually going to focus on another word, and the word is called harmony. 
So I think you'll see through some illustrations I have on the screens. But again, welcome everyone. Let's, let's pray for a moment, then we'll jump into it. Father, we're so thankful for, for all that you're doing in this Advent season. Lord, you're changing us, and that's a good thing. Lord, change is hard. It's hard on our flesh. Lord, it's hard on our soul at times when we cling to things we shouldn't. We desire things that we shouldn't. But Lord, you're there. You're in the midst of every little detail of our lives, and even the big details. Like one of our memories we heard about today um, with a housing situation. You're there in the big details of life, but you're also there in the smallest of details. So Lord, we give you praise, and Lord, may we uh, always walk in joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how many days until Christmas? All the kids can tell me, but everyone... Eight. Thank you, sir. We have eight days until Christmas. Um, Mike, Mike's doing the Christmas Eve service next uh, Sunday. Um, so I pray that we all haven't fallen into the busyness, right? Nobody's falling in, fallen in prey to uh, busyness and the, the, the hurriedness of the season. Amen? Nobody's, everybody's like chill, right? It's just great. Yeah, yeah, right. Tim's giving me that. So, so praise the Lord. So let's look at our verse. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Romans Chapter 15, verse 13. Okay, here we go. Look in your Bibles, or I have it on the screen. Uh, I'm doing something I don't always do. I normally preach out of the New King James, but I'm preaching out of the New Living Translation today. It's just a, uh, it's a really good flow for, for the message and how we're going to tie all this together. So Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. So we said hope already, right? Hope, joy, and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope, there's that word again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it made me ask a question and of myself, what, what is joy? What is joy? The easiest place to go is to go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. So we're going to look at the dictionary definition then we'll take a little bit deeper dive, maybe on the biblical, maybe <laughs> on the biblical side. So this is what Merriam-Webster says about joy. So joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. It's also the expression or exhibition of such emotion. And I'm only doing three definitions here. The last one. Joy is a state of happiness or felicity. Felicity is a word we don't normally use anymore in our culture. Happiness is one that's used all around. So joy is a state of happiness. Are joy and happiness the same thing? Or are they different? What does the Bible say about that? How about our culture? Okay, so I thought, hey, I'm in Merriam-Webster, let's... Flip over to the H's and let's see what that says. It's a state of well-being and contentment. Well, that sounds pretty similar to what we saw with joy. It's a pleasurable or satisfying experience. And the last one is it's good fortune. Uh, and we saw that in the first bullet point for joy, that it's good fortune as well. So from a high-level 50,000-foot view, these words seem to be 
interchangeable. Okay. So then I started digging a little deeper and looking, doing a lot of research, looking at a lot of uh, uh, sermons, looking at the church, the writings of the church fathers, the anti-Nicene uh, era, and there were some themes or some common, I, I put common Christian views of joy and happiness that kind of come out. And here's one. So I'm going to put, there's four of them here, but I'd like to see heads bob up and down or like this, if you agree or disagree with what I'm going to put up on the screen. Happiness is a feeling, but joy is not. I see some yeses here. Okay. You know, if it's, it's a wrong answer, I'm not going to call you out. Stand up. you got to come up here and tell me what. No, we're not going to do that today. Maybe Mike could do that next week with his message, but not, not mine. Okay. Happiness is a feeling, but joy is not. Okay. So if I have a good day, I'm happy. If I have a bad day, I'm not happy. But can I still be joyful whether I had a good day or a, a bad day? I think so. I think so. So maybe that's not not totally correct, okay? You can go this way diagonally if you're not sure, so. Number two, happiness is fleeting, but joy is everlasting or eternal. It's forever, okay? Number three, happiness depends on circumstances. And in looking at the writings over the generations, this, is the, this third bullet point is the one that I saw the most commented on. It was just that, Hey, circumstances are great in my life right now. I'm happy as could be. Then you get a letter from the IRS, and you're like, I'm devastated. So it's fleeting. It goes up and down. We've all been there. Maybe not the IRS letter, but we've all been there in our lives. Okay. And the last one is very, very pointed. Happiness is worldly. Joy is divine. I'm not so sure I, I, I see some heads going up and down. That's one where I'm kind of going to do a diagonal. I think it could go either way. Okay? So, turn to your Bibles. Is this view correct? Turn to your Bibles to Psalm 86. I got to turn myself. I did not put some of these verses up here. Psalm 86, verse 4. And I will read this. Again, this is in the New Living Translation. Verse 4. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Most translations say happiness. Others might say something a little bit that they might have translated joy. We're going to look at different Bible translations here in a second, not super deep dive or anything like that. But again, so there's that word. It's in the Bible. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Let's go a little further. We're studying Psalms in Sunday school, so we're going to do a little Psalms this morning as well. Psalm 119, verse 35. So not too far there. Psalm 119, verse 35. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. It could be interchangeable with joy. I would read it both ways. Okay? If, you're, if we're walking, if I personally look at my life and I'm walking in God's commands, I, I should be joyful and I'm also going to be happy as well. Okay. Two more verses. Psalm 
Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28. Next book over. We have to go very far. Proverbs 10, 28. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. There's that word again, happiness, in this version, of course. So it begs the question, there it is. Oh, one more verse. Let's go to an authoritative source, Luke 12, 32. In my Bible, the letters are red. So we know what that means. Luke 12, 32. This is Jesus speaking. Right after the parable of the rich fool, Jesus starts teaching on money and possessions. And then he's, after this, he gets, starts to talk about being ready for his coming, second coming. But verse 32 I'm quoting Jesus. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Other verses, other translations might use the word he, well pleased. He's pleased to give the kingdom. This version, and, and there are some other versions that uses the word happiness. So Jesus is speaking about the father. So the father has great happiness for giving us who love him, who live our, who dedicate, who give our lives to him, the kingdom. So the father apparently expresses happiness or joy himself, as, as we definitely know. So back to that one question I asked is, are these two words interchangeable? So here's a quick thing. We're going to do this super fast and then move on to the, the meat of what we're talking about today. Bible translations, and I hope you can read this, it's a little bit smaller. Bible translations over the years have emphasized joy over happiness. So the verses I gave you is out of one translation. Some of you might have saw, it didn't say happiness, where I saw it said happiness, okay? And that is common. But let me give you some examples of the word joy, okay? In the King James Version, joy is in, from Genesis to Revelation, the word joy is used 155 times from the Hebrew and the Greek translation to English, okay? We know, we know this, that the English language is lacking compared, let's say, to the Greek. When we just look at the word love, there's so many different meanings in the Greek. So we always have to go back. When we see the word love in the Bible, we've got to go back and see well, which love is the writer talking about. This is a high-level view, but King, uh, King James is 155. New King James is 192. So that King James that they were looking at there was written in 1611. The New King James, uh, 1982. So there's a little bit of time there, but it only went up not very much. New American Standard, I think, uh, predates it's in the 1970s, 260 times. So they were a little more liberal. Uh, or no, they emphasized joy a whole lot more. Uh, most of you right now are reading English Standard Version. That's 180 times you'll see the word joy. Uh, some of you are reading the NIV. That's 214 times. And the last is the version I have right here. I just wanted to put, uh, give you that example. They love the word joy, the, the translators of the New Living Translation. Now we need to compare this to happiness. So I gave you verses where the word happiness appeared, but 
It's a stark, stark difference. Happiness. Any guesses how many times the word happiness appears in the King James Version? Zero. It doesn't appear. Maybe in 1611, they were just like, hey, buttercup, you just got to get up and go. You don't have time to be happy. <laughs> it's a different time then, right? <laughs> the version I, I study and read and preach out of most only five times. Okay. New American Standard, five times. So we were in the 1980s, the 1970s. ESV, only two times. And that was written in 2001. The NIV, six times. And even the New Living, which we'll talk about this in a second, only 15 times will you see the word happy. Okay, I'm going to throw some theological terms at you, then I'll explain it. Formal equivalence versus dynamic equivalence. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to. It's real simple. In other words, word-for-word translation versus thought-for-thought translation. So these these versions that are up here, um, the first four are uh, formal equivalents. They're word-for-word translations. The NIV is a blend of the two, and the New Living is a uh, dynamic or a thought-for-thought. So therefore, you could interchange happy and joy a little bit more because they're changing the thought of a verse as opposed to a word-for-word translation. Too much theology, I know. So, but it's intriguing to dig in when you're in your study at home working on it. So, so why did I say that? Now we need to get back to our source. Okay, Romans 15, 13. Again, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse is the trifecta of the Advent season, okay? Because it has, so what is the first theme in Advent? Two weeks ago, Mike preached on hope. Last week, Aaron preached on peace. This week, the topic is joy, and I'll make an assumption, not trying to influence your message next week, love. So, but the trifecta, the first three words, are in this one verse. But this verse doesn't give us context. We really need context to get this understanding. So we need to go back to, to Romans 15, 1 and, and go from there. So, but I have an illustration to help us get this in our minds. Okay. What is this? Three-legged, three-legged stool. Okay. Uh, I did not draw that. Okay. Because I do a much worse job than that. So I didn't draw that. However, we have three legs. We have a base. You see the dark? It's, it's in black. That's the base that the legs attach into. And then we have a seat on top of it. Those are the components of that stool. Now, that stool, maybe it's one of these that go round and round and you get dizzy when you were a kid. You used to get on it and go round and round. So that is our sermon illustration right there. Okay, so on December 3rd, Pastor Mike spoke on hope. And in hope, his text, he was in Isaiah, but he was also in Romans 8. And if you look at Romans 8, 24 and 25, actually I think he did 24, but I'm going to add 25 in. 
we were given this hope when we were saved. So the question is, how did we get the hope? We were given the hope. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So this first leg is hope. Hope that we've been given when we came to the Lord. You can probably already guess what the other legs represent, but we'll go through it real quick. Every one of these legs have to be the same length, am I right? To have a comfortable three-legged stool to sit on instead of rocking back and forth or feeling precarious when you're sitting on it. On December 10th, Aaron preached on peace. Aaron's text was Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. So go back a couple of pages. We're, not, we're only going to look at verse 1, though. So Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So Mike talked about hope, and the hope was given to us. Did we earn the hope? No. Did we do something to get the hope? Did we pay money to get the hope? Did we help widows and orphans all day long to get hope? No, it was given to us. And now last week, Aaron walked us through peace, and we see again in Romans 5.1 that we have peace with God. How? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We see a theme. The theme is God reaching out to us, okay? So that's the second leg. What if we stopped right there? Does anyone want to sit on that stool with two legs? No, no. no. Yeah, you'd fall. I guarantee you, you'd fall. And, uh, or you'd have to spend a lot of time balancing, okay? But you just want to rest. You want to sit on the stool and rest and not think about falling on the ground. No. <laughs> One leg will not hold. So we're going to add a third leg, though. And what is the third leg? On December 17th today, we're going to add joy. I won't read the verse because I've already read it twice. But joy is the third leg. Again, we're still lacking here. So we have hope. We have peace. We have joy. We've covered the first three weeks of the Advent season. But what about week four? The key word is love. But where does love go on this? And I can't put a verse on there because Mike hasn't told me what he's preaching on next week or I don't know the text or anything like that. He'll tell me on Friday or Thursday. Where does love go? Ooh. Love's not on top. Love's the base underneath because the three stools, the three legs, hope, peace, and joy, they have to connect up into love. Do we get it? Okay. And then we'll have another verse to put under that um, later on. But here's the bigger question, and this is the crux of the message today. Why is hope, peace, and joy, and love so important? What sits on this foundation? Okay? It's a word that starts with an H. It's called harmony. So we'll look at that verse, Romans 15, 5 and 6. 
Again, Romans 15, 5 and 6. So as I read this, think about this sits on this strong foundation. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, praising God, um, excuse me, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why do we need harmony? Why do we need harmony again? So that we can join together, this is verse 6, with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the harmony that we should live in, in our relationship with him, with the Lord, and amongst our brothers and sisters, ourselves. So what we're going to do, I have another verse up there, John 17, 20 to 23. You don't have to turn to it. I should have it right there. It's a little long. What I'm going to do, the key word is harmony. I'm going to read through this, but I'm going to stop as I read it. You'll, you'll, you'll pick up what I'm doing. You'll be able to predict it. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. He prayed for the disciples, and then thousands of years later, all those who believed through that message, and that is us here today at Turkey Run. I pray that they will all be one. Harmony. Just as you and I are one. Harmony. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Harmony. And may they, and may they be in us. Harmony. So that the world would believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, harmony, that they may be as may be one as we are one, harmony. I am in them and you are in me, harmony. May they experience such perfect unity, harmony, that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And lastly, harmony. Why should we have harmony amongst ourselves? As a witness to the world. The latter part of verse 21, I'll read 21 again. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And here's what we're talking about. And may they be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Think about that for a second. Our level or our degree of harmony impacts the world. He's using us as an example to the world. Amen? So how do we live in harmony? I can't just preach on harmony and tell us, hey, we all got to live in harmony, but not give some practical things here. The practical comes right out of the Bible. So here we go. I'll have all the verses up on the screens for this. We're looking at context, so we're still in Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the fa uh, failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. 
Other versions of this talk about, uh, New King James uses the word scruples when looking at at failings. Others say, uh, translations might use the word weakness or weaknesses. Uh, but those who are strong ought to bear. What does bear mean? I'm not going to give you the Greek today, but I'll tell you the backstory. But it just means to carry. Uh, somebody's walking and they're struggling, come up beside them, help them. Somebody's trying to lift that and they can't lift it, come over and help. Help carry, help bear the load. So we who are strong ought to help carry uh, those who are weak. Not for ourselves. We don't do it to please ourselves. We do it to help them. And that's how we're to interact as a body with each other. Each of us should please our neighbors. In the Old Testament mindset, worldview concept, who were their neighbors? Other members of the nation of Israel were their neighbors. They didn't necessarily see other Canaanites, all Jebusites, all the others as neighbors. They saw them as, of course, you know, Gentiles, of course. Um, but since Christ has come and we have a new covenant, who are our neighbors? I'm looking at my neighbors right now. But when I got my hair cut or when I go to the store or when I go to work, uh, that's my neighbor too. So I should have the same mindset, and we're going to see that having the mind of Christ here in just a minute, having the same mindset with them as well. That's how we model harmony amongst ourselves outside of these doors. So that's 15 verses 1 and 2. Let's jump to verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I have a question for everyone, rhetorical, for myself as well. Accept one another then as Christ, just as Christ accepted you. What condition were we all in when Christ accepted us? Hey, yeah, praise the Lord. Were we living in harmony with God and fellow man? Maybe we had people we got along with and family, but but we were not in fellowship with God. So he accepted us when we were at our worst. He had an action plan to save mankind when mankind was at its worst. Accept one another then as Christ accepted you. I think we get the concept, we get the point. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So we see a theme developing here that we are not to do to live in harmony for our pleasure, for our to lift ourselves, to puff ourselves up. We're supposed to live in harmony instead of to service and minister to the needs of others. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, a little long. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, I'm going to interject harmony, there it is right there, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, that's harmony as well, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, our, one of our key words today, make my joy complete fulfilled how by being like-minded what's that word again harmony 
having the same love, harmony, being one in spirit, harmony, and one in mind, harmony. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That promotes harmony, by the way. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In closing, so we think there's no room on this slide, but if you go to, this is Philippians 2, 1 through 4, if you look at verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, that's where Paul, in writing to the church of Philippi, that's where he explained that Jesus humbled himself. He took on the form of a man. So it's the example of what he's talking about right here in verse 4. We are to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How do we have that? How do we have that? Well, that's how we have it. We live in hope. We live in peace and we live in joy. But hope, peace, and joy without love, what is it? Hey, clanging gone, crashing cymbals. We must have the love to have harmony with each other. So as we wind up eight days till Christmas, as we close in on Christmas Day, let's not forget. Please, let's not forget that we are all called to live in a faith community. We're all called to, called to live in harmony uh, with each other. As Americans, everyone in here is American. One of the things that separates America from many other countries in the world is it's called individualism or the American way. I'm going to go out west and get my 40 acres and do what I want and get away from everybody. People still dream about doing that. People still do that. Um, we come to the Lord as, as individuals. God does not have, God has sons and daughters, but he doesn't have grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. Just because your dad or your mom or your grandpa or your grandma is walking in the Lord to save does not mean that you are, right? However, when we come to him as an individual, something happens, and we have to live in harmony now. Marvin, I'm not a musician. I'm not even going to pretend to be one, and you don't want me up here singing. But I know harmony when I hear it, and I know when it sounds great. I'm usually the one who is not singing when it sounds great, okay? My part, tenor. So hopefully that little musical example, when harmony is sung in music, it's so beautiful. And Aaron talked about beautiful things in Sunday school, for those who remember that. Singing in harmony is absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely beautiful. I love listening to it, especially here. Um, it makes me a little envious that I can't do it. Um, we live our lives in the Christian faith unto the Lord in a community. Uh, of fellow believers. Uh, I'll say it this way. Hopefully, some of you younger folks won't know what I'm talking about, but there are no lone rangers in the Christian walk uh, because a lone ranger 
is missing something here. They probably, they don't have the harmony. So my guess is they might be missing out on the love part. They might have some hope. They read their Bible, they get hope. They might have some peace. And they might be joyful for what the Lord has done in their lives. But when it comes to exercising that faith, they need that base that those legs attach to. They need love. And they, they get that by being in a body of fellow believers to develop harmony with each other. So, eight days left. Uh, my prayer, and we'll pray here in just a second. My prayer is that we take that diagram to heart. I'm sure we'll hear more about love next week. But I pray that we, I pray that we can get away, steal some time for ourselves, and kind of ride ourselves on where we should be this time of year. Um, I've been traveling for work and been doing a lot of things, and it is bonkers out there. You guys are on the road. It is absolutely crazy out there to be traveling uh, on the road. And I've had to go to stores, and I don't like shopping. I don't like shopping. Uh, but uh, it's just nuts how people just get so engrossed in the stress of the season. We, we don't need to live that way. We don't. So let's pray. And then Marvin, after we pray, if you could lead us in the doxology. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Uh, week three of Advent, we thank you for joy. Um, Lord, just some things that come to mind um, about joy. Didn't mention it in the message, but... It was our congregational reading verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Lord, no one in this congregation today has seen you with our physical eyes. But we love you. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Lord, we believe in you. Your spirit bears witness with our spirit. We believe in you. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Lord, we pray that you would just drop joy into our hearts, into our souls. Not just joy, but inexpressible joy. And Lord, filled with your glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, You have put this church here for 200 plus years as a witness to the community, to the world around it. And Father, as we see hope, peace, and joy, and love next week, and as we live in harmony with each other, may that be a witness to the community, to the world. So Father, we just commit our lives to you. We ask that you would just give us hope. Lord, give us peace. Give us joy, Lord. And may we love as never before. And may we walk in harmony. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.